Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if... What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet? But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality. They make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org slash wonders We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best The American Technion Society World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you Hey listeners, it's Mishi. This week, we released our 50th wartime diary. Next week is Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzmaut. And as a way of marking this milestone, and these dates, Yochai Meital and I will have a series of onstage conversations in New York and Cleveland. We'll discuss the process of creating wartime diaries, talk about some of the challenges we've encountered, the dilemmas we've had, the insights we've gained, So if you want to hear what covering the evolving story of this war has been like for us, we'd love to see you at one of our events. All the details are on our site, israelstory.org. And meanwhile, wishing us all calm and peaceful days ahead. It's like a lot of people play this game of like, well, if your house were on fire, what would be the one thing that you would take? And the Israel Museum has answered very, very clearly. The one thing that we take is the one thing that you're in charge of. By the way, I live in a village that two and a half years ago almost was on fire. And and the, the, on, no, no, the only thing I took from home, I mean, I told my kids now to the car and we took the cat. And I took the albums of my family. The photo albums? Yes, I didn't take anything, not underwear, nothing else. I took my family albums and, of course, my family. And we we tried to escape. And um, so it's interesting what you're saying now, because um, when you think what is dear to you is your history. And um, I did it. I mean, it was clear to me that this is the most important. It's the documentation about my my ancestors. So I have to take it with me. And I didn't think about something else. Well, it seems like the you and the Israel Museum think in the same way, because in many ways, these are the photo albums of our people. 
Absolutely, yes. Yes, you're right. Hey listeners, it's Mishi. So as you know, during these incredibly difficult days, we're trying to bring you voices we're hearing among and around us. These aren't stories, they're just quick conversations, or postcards really, that try to capture slivers of life right now. Almost immediately after the start of the attack on the morning of October 7th, as rockets were being launched at Jerusalem, and sirens sent the city's million residents into shelters, the heads of the Israel Museum initiated an emergency protocol, for the first time since the Gulf War in 1991. The idea was to protect the nation's most priceless cultural and historical treasures, the building blocks of our collective identity. And the very first step of that protocol? Securing the museum's most prized possession, its indisputable star, its Mona Lisa, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Of all the estimated 500,000 treasured items in the museum's collections, from Monet's to Picasso's, from the Chalcolithic Horde of Nachal Mishmar to the House of David inscription from Tel Dan, it was the 2,200-year-old scrolls that were packed up and rushed into the museum's most protected safe. And it was Chagit Maoz, the curator of the Shrine of the Book, where the scrolls are normally housed, who was tasked with this delicate operation. On a rainy day earlier this week, Yael ben Chorin and I fulfilled the fantasy of visiting a closed museum and went to talk to Chagit. Can you introduce yourself? Um, my name is Chagit Maoz. I'm an archaeologist and I'm curator uh, of the Dead Sea Scrolls at the Shrine of the Book in the Israel Museum, Jerusalem. How many people come to visit the scrolls every year? About a million. About a million that comes each year. Yeah, from all over the world. From everywhere you can think of. Everybody. It's amazing. And can you tell me what happened on October 7th? So I, w- I was at home and we had um, at least five alarms and missiles that were falling around us. Um, so, I mean, we were in shock. We didn't understand what's going on. And of course, not in the morning. So at the three o'clock, um, I got a phone call from the chief curator of archaeology. Um, he is my boss, um, and he said we are now on a conversation with the board of directors and the director of the museum, and they all decided that the Dead Sea Scrolls are the most important objects, and please, if you can come and take it uh, to the safe room. And I said, yeah, I need 10 minutes to uh, prepare myself, and I'll go. There was a fear that a missile could hit the museum and that these objects would be destroyed? I mean, what what prompted all of this? Yeah, I mean, you can never know. You deal with uh, an enemy that you don't know where he will attack. uh, And we know that there were attacks uh, towards the direction of Jerusalem. So you can't risk. If you have any little doubt, there is no doubt that it should be in a protective place. You can't take any risks. So... I told my boys, I have two boys, um, listen, I have to go to the museum. 
And I don't think it's a good idea you'll come with me because I don't know what would be on, on my way. So if we have an alarm, you have to go into the um, safe room and, and stay there. And please call me. And um, so I left home. And on my way, it was the, the road was so quiet and it's a scary quietness. It's a scary emptiness. And when I came to the museum, um, it was completely quiet. Nobody is outside. And we are taking the scrolls very carefully. I mean, your brain tells you what to do, but your minds are in a different place. And, and my hands were a little bit shaking because it's, I mean, you can't do it quickly. So um, you open the showcase, you take off the frames, carefully and then you hold the scroll itself and go slowly um, as possible to the to the strong room and um, it took us around two hours to take eight uh, showcase to open eight showcases to take off the scrolls put them in their position in the strong room so when we finished in one hand I felt relief because I know now that um, the manuscripts are well protected. On the other hand, the situation was so different. I mean, okay, I did my job, it's on a protective place, but I don't know for how long, and I don't know what will be tomorrow, and I don't know what will be on my way back home. So everything was really different. And you know, the manuscripts or all the objects of the museum, they are symbols of a culture. And you know that when you are in that situation, the people who wants to kill you or started the war, your symbols are um, a target for them, maybe to destroy them, as Daesh did. So we need to protect our symbols or our um, tradition. Or I think in the case of the Dead Sea Scrolls is something that is a worldwide heritage, it's not only us. Um, so it's a relief to know that they are in a safe place, so they won't be damaged. I mean, we always lie down on our history, on our background, on our ancestors, and archaeology is us, is us in the past. So these manuscripts that were written 2,000 years before our time and more than that are a reflection of thoughts, of understanding, um, of people who lived here. And these are their remains and these are their um, heritage. So, okay, of course, at that time I, in, in Shabbat afternoon, I didn't understand the scale of this horror uh, that was still going on in the South. But um, the protection on your symbols of cultures, it's part of you, it's part of your uh, identification. And that's why it was so important to protect it. And we're six weeks into the war and they're still in that safe. Yes, yes, and we don't know for how long. It's true. Can we go into the shrine of the book to to see the 
empty uh, showcases. Yeah, sure. I, we have to call the guard and, uh, of course, especially uh, open it for you because it's closed. Um, but I, I, of course, I'll do it. We, we will go to see the empty shrine in a minute. <laughs> We are at the Shrine of the Book in the Israel Museum, Jerusalem. It's the house of the seven first scrolls that found in uh, the Judean desert, in the northern part of the Judean desert, in a cave. And it is so sad to see it close. And of course nobody can come and nobody can visit. So uh, we can hear only the raindrops from above. So Hagit, I see that the... the um the cases are completely empty, and uh, and there are little signs that say that uh, the artifacts have been taken away. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's it's strange. It's it's really not normal to see an empty gallery, um, an empty museum without objects. It's um, <laughs> it's a hole in the heart, and it expressed for me the situation outside and let's hope it would change as quickly as possible. You know, I left um, in each of the showcase, it's a protocol to leave for the guards temporarily taken. And little, little signs, little pieces yeah, of paper. pieces of paper that uh, they will know that, okay, the showcase is empty, not because someone stole the objects, but because it was taken to the safe room. So. It, it struck me suddenly that temporarily taken is not only of the objects. It's something that also took me to the crazy situation we are in, that we have 237 um, people, souls, kids, um, women, men, elder people that actually are not with us. and. We miss these people, so temporarily taken is very sad and very hard, but it has also a wish to the future to to get them back. Thank <laughs> you. 
Infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim. Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.